Welcome to New Creation Ministries Sermon Podcast. Pastor Mark challenges us to lean on his strength as our helper. Following his instructions, which is confirmed by his word, is the ultimate recipe for a Holy Spirit-inspired life. Father, we come before you in the name of Jesus. We thank you so much for who you are. We thank you for your presence with us tonight. God, we thank you that we get to come together like this. And so, Father, let us value this time as much as you do. Speak to us, Lord. We don't need to hear from a person. We need to hear from you. Not a good message, God, but something that's going to do good in our lives. So we pray, God, that you would give us eyes to see you, give us ears to hear you, and give us the grace to respond to you. In Jesus' name, the church says amen. Amen. How's everybody doing? Awesome, awesome. How many of y'all was able to make it to the uh, pancake breakfast last week? Wasn't that awesome? awesome? Oh, man, I thought it was more awesome than that. But I, wasn't that pancake breakfast awesome? Yeah, praise the Lord. Thank God for everybody who participated in putting that together. And um, we want to start doing some more things like that. Maybe even, I don't know how often, because I wasn't the one cooking. So it's me to say, we do that every week. But, but maybe, definitely more often, we need to have joint meals um, together. So, hey, um, is it me? Does that seem a little hot? That seems a little loud to me. Is it just me? Okay, yeah. Joy says it's a little hot. So, so. Hey, um... So this week, in the last week, two couple of weeks, we've been talking about forgiveness and the discipline of forgiveness last week. And as we're coming out of the fast, working on disciplines, um, once it's time, I felt like the Lord put on my heart, we need to shift. And tonight we're going to talk about the Holy Spirit. And we're going to be in a conversation about the Holy Spirit. You know, we hear some rumblings like, hmm. So, and, and we want to start with this verse right here, Romans 8 and 14. For all who are being led by the Spirit of God, these are sons of God. Just think about that verse for a moment. For all who are led by the Spirit of God, these are the sons of God. I love those scriptures that make it so clear. How do you know if you're a son of God? Come on. It don't get much more simpler than that, right? And so it's interesting. Paul at one point in time had ran into some people who had, didn't have an issue with Jesus. They were from John's baptism. And he asked them, it was in Acts 19, he said, did you receive the Holy Spirit when you believed? And they said, we have not even heard of the Holy Spirit, right? They had no idea of the necessity of the Holy Spirit. And if we're not careful in church, I think sometimes we can talk about the Father, right? We always talk, we'll talk about the goodness of Jesus, and we give very little time to talk about the Holy Spirit. And many people can try to do this walk without the Holy Spirit because they're like these folks in Acts. We have not even heard of a need for the Holy Spirit in our lives. Why is that? You know, think about it. What is it about the Holy Spirit that he doesn't get the same level of attention as the Father and the Son, right? Why, we, why do we treat the Holy Spirit like that relative that's a little touched, you know, that relative that's just, 
Ah, I hope they don't show up right now. You know, when you're bringing your person you care about around, ah, what is that? Come on, what, what comes to your mind? Let's just, when you hear the Holy Spirit, what comes to your mind? Invisible? Spooky. Yeah, come on, y'all. How many of y'all think, yeah, I mean, maybe you grew up in church, the Holy Spirit represented spooky to you. You thought somebody was going to get up and run around the church, start by, right? <laughs> come on, what, what, what comes to your mind when you think of the Holy Spirit? Wisdom, comfort, conviction, guarantee, power, Casper. <laughs> Casper, the friendly demon. <laughs> so think about this. Like, a lot of times people have these different thoughts about the Holy Spirit could be based on your church experience, your misunderstanding, right? A lot of times people, the first thing come to mind, think of the Holy Spirit, tongues, you know? And, and we have to remember this, you know, we can't confine our walk to the natural. Our walk is supernatural. And you can't always explain the supernatural. So understand this, when you are around some spiritual people who operate in the supernatural, you are probably eventually going to hear or see something that you would call strange. Because it's not natural. It's not the norm. And so, now it doesn't mean it's all that we throw it all out. And sometimes you say, I'm going to throw it all out because of the stuff that make non, no sense. But somewhere along the lines, I think if you were around Jesus' times, you saw some people like manifesting demons and Jesus casting them out, you'd have thought, that's a little strange. But it's almost as if when the Bible closed, all that stuff was supposed to stop or be overboard. There was nowhere like in the middle. It was either overboard, man. I remember I was preaching somewhere one time, man, and they were like tackling people to cast demons out of them. I'm like, I'm getting out of the way. Like, I prayed over the folks, and they were like, out of the way, Pastor. Ah, they were just like decleating people. And I'm like, good night. <laughs> I thought that was a little strange. But let's look at Romans 8 and 9 says this. Romans 8 and 9. We don't have 8 and 9? Well, I got it. It says, however, you are not in the flesh, but in the spirit, if indeed the spirit dwells in you. But if anyone does not have the spirit of Christ, he does not belong to him. If you do not have the spirit of Christ, you do not belong to Jesus. The Holy Spirit is pretty important. Because we just read in 814, for all who are led by the spirit of God, these are the sons of God. Let's look at Acts chapter 1, verse 4 through 8. Gathering them together, he commanded them not to leave Jerusalem, but to wait for what the Father had promised, which, he said, you heard of from me. For John baptized with water, but you will be baptized with the Holy Spirit not many days from now. So when they had come together, they were asking him, saying, Lord, is it at this time you are restoring the kingdom to Israel? He said to them, it is not for you to know times or epochs which the Father has fixed by his own authority. But you will receive power when the Holy Spirit has come upon you, and you shall be my witnesses both in Jerusalem and in all Judea and Samaria, and even to the remotest part of the earth. Think about that. He says, when the Holy Spirit comes, you shall receive power. That word power means superhuman ability. You will receive superhuman ability when the Holy Spirit comes upon you. 
And what is the purpose? See, all this stuff, when we're fasting for 40 days, being disciplined, being sexually pure, being honest, come on, like being a good husband, being a good wife, being a good single, like good, I mean godly, right? What is the purpose for all that? Just to be better folks? No, the purpose is, that, is because you are a witness. You are a witness for Jesus. You are a representative of Jesus. So we're doing these things because we are imitating God. We are representatives of God, right? That word witness means martyr. Yeah, that never gets amens. Like, yeah, like, come on. You have this superhuman ability to die for Christ. The stuff I just named, being pure, being honest, all those things, you need superhuman ability because it makes, because those things make no sense to your flesh. To forgive someone who hurts you makes sense. No, that doesn't make any sense. You need something supernatural, superhuman ability, right? The word martyr is this, one who by his death bears witness to the truth of the gospel. You will be my martyrs to the end of the earth. This still seems a little hot to me. The reason why this name was given was because they were faithful witnesses to the life, instructions, death, and resurrection of Jesus in the midst of persecution. In the midst of being persecuted and put to death. They didn't face that persecution like we talk about, that we face, oh, somebody might not like me. They were being put in prison and put to death and they never would shrink back because they were witnesses for God. When the Holy Spirit comes, you will be my witness or martyrs to the ends of the earth, right? So, so we have died to ourselves so that people can see Jesus when they look in our direction. Like when they, when they look in your direction, they should know something about Jesus. When they interact with you, they should have interacted with the character of Jesus. Every interaction, every interaction, not just when you're outside of your home, every interaction, somebody should have interacted with the character of Jesus. Remember we said last week, when you gave your life to Jesus, you forfeited the right to be you. So, but you got to understand this. The only reason they should have interacted with Jesus because you live from the reality of who Jesus is. See, understand this. Many people believe in the theory of Jesus. And many people live according to the theory of Jesus. What do you mean by that? Well, I know Jesus says this, but I'm going to do this. I have no issue with the theory of Jesus. Right? It's, I don't know how many of my Dave Ramsey people in here. But remember, Dave, Dave Ramsey would say, some of y'all are Ramsey-ish. Right? Like, you don't go all the way. You say, you say I'm doing Dave Ramsey, but you're like, I ain't doing that. But I, I like these pieces, but I don't. So you, you agree, you have no issue with the theory. It's just not going to be your reality. 
And there are many people who have no issue with the theory of Jesus. Yes, forgiveness is the right way. Yes, loving your enemy and blessing those who persecute you is the right way. Yes, being pure is the right thing to do. Yes, I know all this, but that's the theory. I'm Christian-ish. I don't want to go all the way. I'm not going to live from that reality. See, but a witness don't live like they believe it. They live like they know it. See, I, I remember the very first time I bought my wife flowers, I bought it by faith, hoping she liked flowers. Now, once I saw her reaction, I now know she likes flowers. I never bought her flowers by faith again. I now know it. In this walk with Jesus, we are also we are supposed to be transitioning from faith, belief to knowing, because this is eternal life, that you would know God. And now there's certain areas of my life where I just know that I know that I know because I first did it by faith. He then did what he shows up. He shows up. And now I know it. And once you know it, it's a wrap. Once you know certain things, right? Come on. If once, maybe you have heard sometimes like, man, if you show up to work late enough, they'll fire you. And you believed it by faith, but then you saw somebody get fired and now you know it. And now you got a little bit more motivation, right? So the difference between when, when someone like, come on, you know the difference. When you encounter somebody who lives by the theory of Jesus versus somebody who knows Jesus, their lives seem radically different. The world accepts those who live by the theory. And when they run into a real deal, they're like, you ain't one of, you ain't one of those, are you? <laughs> hey, one of the greatest insults you can get as a Christian. You know, one time I, when I was... Um, Working in housing, we used to do a little trip, and there was a guy on my staff who was Christian, and his, he took his team down there with us, and the guy who was preaching at the golf course was like, just man, he was just on it. And one of, the, one of this guy's players that went down with me said, said to him, like, you ain't Christian like that, are you? And he was thinking, I thought I was. No, because he encountered somebody who knew it, and he'd been hanging around somebody who just believed in the theory. Are we getting this? So, so who is, because the only way you can come from a place where you go from transition from the theory to the reality is the Holy Spirit. That is the main difference to live a spirit-led life. Who is the Holy Spirit? Well, the Holy Spirit is God. So we don't say what is the Holy Spirit. We say who is the Holy Spirit. Now, now, sometimes you'll get some people who are kind of a little overly churchy with this, and they'll make say, well, his name is Holy Spirit. Well, every time Jesus said his name, he said the Holy Spirit. And I think I know Jesus know him a little closer than all of us. So the, and it, like, Jesus always referred to him as the Holy Spirit. He never just said Holy Spirit. He didn't say when Holy Spirit come. He says when the Holy Spirit comes. So now we don't have to get all legalistic with the name, but unless my correction, it's Holy Spirit. It's, hey, I'm going to say what Jesus said. <laughs> all right? Don't get overly spiritual with that, but that's what Jesus called him. Mama named Clay, I'm going to call him Clay. Is that what Jesus called him? That's what I'm going to call him, right? So now, the Spirit of God was present and involved in creation, right? Look at Genesis 1, 1 through 3. In the beginning, God created the heavens and the earth. The earth was formless and void, and darkness was over the surface of the deep, and the Spirit of God was moving over the surface of the waters. 
Then God said, let there be light. And there was light. So there you see all of God there. Father's there. The spirit is there. And the moment he spoke, there's the word. Right? You cannot separate someone's spirit from that person. Right? I can't say, my spirit pushed you. It wasn't me. <laughs> right? That was my spirit. Right? No different if I told Charles to shut up. That wasn't me, Charles. That's my words. You can't separate them. God is, all, God is there. Every aspect of him is there. And, you, and every aspect, though his words, his spirit, it's all God. Is that making sense? As much as we can make sense of it. Because we can never fully understand God. Even if he sat down and explained himself to you, it would, your brain would explode. So as much as we can understand it, we can just put that in human terms, but he's all there, right? Look at, look at Psalms 33 and 6. By the word of the Lord, the heavens were made, and by the breath of his mouth, all their host. And so you see that, you say, okay, there it is again. But you say, well, I don't see the Holy Spirit in that. Remember, Jesus said, my words are spirit. So the Holy Spirit absolutely is there. He says, my word are spirit and my word are life. The Holy Spirit will, is, the, is the one, he's the one who gives you the power to live a sustained life with God. Now, Jesus says you'll be baptized by the Holy Spirit. So what does that mean? Baptized means to make whelmed or fully wet. That's why they talk about fully means, that's why we do immersion. Baptized means to be, full, to be whelmed. The word whelmed means to be overtaken, engulfed, or submerged. Getting that? So now, how does a person become baptized by the Holy Spirit? Belief and obedience in the words of Jesus. Look at John 14, 15 through 26. If you love me, you will keep my commandments. I will ask the Father, and he will give you another helper, that he may be with you forever. That is the spirit of truth, whom the world cannot receive, because it does not see him or know him. But you know him, because he abides with you and will be in you. I will not leave you as orphans. I will come to you. After a little while, the world will no longer see me, but you will see me, because I live, you will live also. In that day, you will know that I am in my Father, and you in me, and I in you. He who has my commandments and keeps them is the one who loves me, and he who loves me will be loved by my Father, and I will love him and will disclose myself to him. Judas, not Iscariot, said to him, Lord, what then has happened that you were going to disclose yourself to us and not to the world? Jesus answered and said to him, If anyone loves me, he will keep my word, and my Father will love him, and we will come to him and make our abode with him. He who does not love me does not keep my words, and the word which you hear is not mine, but the Father's who sent me. These things I have spoken to you while abiding with you, but the Helper, the Holy Spirit, whom the Father will send in my name, he will teach you all things and bring to your remembrance all that I said to you. Very, very few people talk about this scripture and talk about the baptism of the Holy Spirit. But this is Jesus teaching on the promise of the Holy Spirit. 
He says, if anyone loves me, he'll obey my commands. And then he will send the helper. What is the helper's role? To help you obey the commands. If you aren't bent on obeying the commands, you don't need no help. Does that make sense? If, you're, if your heart isn't set on obeying God, he's not going to send you help because you don't need no help to disobey. He says, but I see when I, first he says, if anyone loves me, he obeys. And look, that person is first doing it on their own. And then he sends the help. The prodigal son started that journey without the father. The father saw him a ways off and ran to him and wrapped his arms around him and helped him back the rest of the way. So understand this. When a person, if you obey, you want to, man, how to get baptized by the Holy Spirit? He says, you obey his commands. And he says, then the father would send help. And he said, then the Holy Spirit will come. He says, we will come. Me and the father, we will come and make our home with you. That is the equivalent of being baptized in God. God is too big to make his home in you, and we still see you. He don't fit in your chest cavity, right? Come on, stand up for a minute, Jamie. If Jamie came and made his home in you, you think you'd notice? <laughs> you would not be able to avoid the fact that he is there, and you would have to consider everything, right? Thank you. God comes and makes his home with you. You are now overwhelmed by God. You are now, imagine someone living with you to the point where it affects your lifestyle. Even, man, you can't even function like you want to. Man, every time I think about this, I think about Shannon. Poor girl. You know, when I've been Shannon, she lived with two guys who aren't neat. And, and, and she tries hard. <laughs> she tries hard, man. She has a just cause. Just keep put things back where they go. Pick up your shoes. Take up the, and, and she fights the good fight, but we just overwhelm her. <laughs> and to the point, man, I almost shed a tear because when I walked out the house one time, I saw her shoes in the middle of the floor. I'm like, we broke her. But, that, but imagine, and that's, that's in the natural. But imagine God having so much influence. He overwhelms you so much that you just stop fighting. It ain't worth it, right? How's fighting working? You're just like, you know, funny, every once in a while, Shannon will hit him work. I'm done. Uh, y'all ain't going to get with me. I'm going to get with y'all. That's God. Man, you keep fighting against God. He's like, it ain't working. After a while, you're just like, you know what? I'm done. I'm coming on out. I'm surrendering. I'm just going to surrender it all to you because he just he because he won't stop. He just won't stop. And he just wears you down to the place where either you're going to die or surrender. That's what it means to be baptized by the Holy Spirit, where he just overwhelms you so much. He's bigger. He's unyielding. He's unchanging. Right. So how do you know if you've been baptized by the Holy Spirit? Like, how do you know? Well, let me just give you this. Something supernatural will manifest in your life. It, will, it may not be the same for everyone, but something supernatural will happen. Look at 1 Corinthians 12, 4 through 13. Now there are varieties of gifts, but the same Spirit. 
And there are varieties of ministries and the same Lord. There are varieties of effects, but the same God who works all things in all persons. Stop for a moment there. Did y'all catch that one? There are a variety of effects. So we all won't necessarily have the same effect that shows that he's there, but there's a variety of effects. That's what the scripture says, right? All right, now you keep going. But to each one is given the manifestation of the spirit for the common good. For to one is given the word of wisdom through the spirit, and to another the word of knowledge according to the same spirit. To another faith by the same spirit, and to another gifts of healing by the one spirit. And to another the effecting of miracles, and to another prophecy, and to another the distinguishing of spirits, to another various kinds of tongues, and to another the interpretation of tongues. But one and the same spirit works all these things, distributing to each one individually just as he wills. For even as the body is one and yet has many members, and all the members of the body, though they are many, are one body, so also is Christ. For by one spirit we were all baptized into one body, whether Jews or Greeks, whether slaves or free, and we were all made to drink of one spirit. So we just saw in 13, we know now from verse 13, he's talking about the baptism of the Holy Spirit. We were all baptized into one body. He says there will be, um, he says there are varieties of effects, varieties of manifestations. Don't let anyone ever box you in say, do you, oh, do you have the baptism of the Holy Spirit with this particular evidence? Because we like to create these haves and have nots. Do you have the baptism of the Holy Spirit with the evidence of speaking in tongues? That's what people like to go to. They get that from Acts. Acts, when, in Acts chapter 2, when the Holy Spirit came, it says there were tongues of fires on people's heads. So understand this. Acts is a historical account. It is not giving a doctrine. But, what, but, if, but if we're saying it has to happen that way, then everyone who's baptized with the Holy Spirit needs to have a tongue of fire on the head. How many of y'all had that? Seen that? And I'm not saying it won't happen. It hasn't happened. I'm just saying that would make the minority, right? The other thing that happened when they spoke in tongues, the other people around them could understand what they were saying. How often have you seen that? So in order for that to be a doctrine, he, that's saying that it would have to happen that way. That's not what was going on in the book of Acts. Let me help you what's going on in the book of Acts. Back in the Old Testament, who, 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 who separated all the uh, people? all the cultures. The Lord separated all the cultures. Because remember, when they were of one voice, he said, man, nothing will be impossible to them. They wanted to build something to come touch the heavens, right? And he said, he didn't say he wouldn't be able to do it if they were all in one voice. Wicked men on one accord is a bad thing. God had to confuse their voice because if they built something to come up to where he was, he'd have to kill them all. <laughs> right? So understand, he confuses their language. In the book of Acts, what's happening is now he's unifying language because godly men on one accord is a marvelous thing. And so the first thing he does, remember he says, you will be, you'll be my witnesses to the ends of the earth. They didn't have to travel to the ends of the earth. He's reading Acts 2. It says all the nations were represented in Jerusalem at that time. They were all there and they named them one by one and they said, we all hear the word of God being proclaimed in our language. And it says they began to speak in tongues 
and prophesy. You ever know those people don't say you got the evidence of speaking in tongues with prophecy? Jesus said these are the signs that will follow believers. They'll take up poison and drink poison and not die. Anybody got the evidence of the Holy Spirit drinking some poison? Snake, holding snakes. See, we can't make a sign, the sign. But, but what about the other time? Well, the other time in Acts when it happened it was with Cornelius. And under Cornelius, because now the Holy Spirit, the, the same gospel is going to the Gentiles. And they needed to have the same evidence for the Gentiles in order for the Jews to accept it. And that's why when they began to speak in tongues, when they received the Holy Spirit, the Jews said they received the same Holy Spirit that we did. That was about unity. It was not about doctrine. Are we getting this? Five times in the book of Acts, they received the Holy Spirit. Three times they spoke in tongues. Two times they didn't. When Jesus breathed the Holy Spirit on the disciples, no evidence of speaking in tongues. We have no evidence of Jesus speaking in tongues. Man, too bad Jesus never got baptized by the Holy Spirit. Are we getting this? But he says here, look at, let's go to Corinthians 12, 27 to 31. Now you are Christ's body and individually members of it. And God has appointed in the church first apostles, second prophets, third teachers, then miracles, then gifts of healings, helps, administrations, various kinds of tongues. All are not apostles, are they? All are not prophets, are they? All are not teachers, are they? All are not workers of miracles, are they? All do not have gifts of healings, do they? All do not speak with tongues, do they? All do not interpret, do they? But earnestly desire the greater gifts, and I show, show you a still more excellent way. Does everybody gonna speak, is everybody going to speak in tongues that has the Holy Spirit? It doesn't mean you don't have the capacity to. And there's nothing wrong with desiring the gift because there's no bad gift. But it's not a have and have not, y'all. And so don't be scared off. Some of us have had bad experiences. And because we saw people misuse the gifts, we don't want anything to do with it. I lived that way for a long time. I didn't want anything to do with it because I knew that was wrong teaching. But I wanted it so bad that Shannon thought I didn't believe in tongues for a long time. So she actually had the gift of tongues and she was hiding it from me because she thought I was ready to reject it. And it wasn't, I was, I was just, I, but I throw out the babe with the bathwater. I wasn't against it. I just was against that. Now, when my, my heart softened to their error, and I said, God, if you got something for me, I want it, then I got it. But it didn't make me any more holy than anybody else. Right. Now, most of y'all probably said, well, we, we never heard you. It ain't for you to hear. Right. <laughs> right? Now, but we got to understand this. We can't be afraid of this. If somebody has the gift of tongues, the only way they know there's interpretation, at some point in time, they got to let it fly. All right, I'm just let's be real. Some point in time, you got ah, bah, 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 bah. and if you ain't getting no return, just sit on down. And we will applaud. We will applaud your effort. It's the only way. All right, so don't be don't count it all strange. You gotta let you gotta let it fly, right? But now, if nobody responding, sit on down before I have to sit you down. But it's not a haves and have not thing. So that way, let's embrace all of the Holy Spirit. Let's embrace all of the giftings. All of them are good. Every single one of them are good. Every single one of them have a purpose. Just because somebody misused it doesn't mean we throw it out, right? 
I've said this to y'all before. Y'all have seen people like toilet paper cars and houses before, right? Every year around Halloween, people toilet paper and stuff. They misused toilet paper. Did you stop using toilet paper because somebody else misused it? That just means somebody misused it, right? <laughs> Praise the Lord. So, so understand this, y'all. But there will be some type of manifestation in your life. And he gave you a list of them. So don't just look for that one way, but you should be looking for some evidence in your life. And he says, look, do all speak? says, no. He says, but there is a more excellent way. The more excellent way is the way of love. First Corinthians 13, the greatest manifestation of the Holy Spirit in your life is love. Because he just said it's a more excellent way. There's a more excellent manifestation because he says, look, if remember he said, if I speak with tongues and have like not love, if I got all the gifts and I don't have love, I got something fraudulent. The gifts come without repentance. I'm going to tell you who was gifted. I'm going to tell you who was gifted. No, we don't want to give him a lot of credit. Judas was gifted as all get out. We know he was good with numbers. <laughs> when they sent the disciples out to share the gospel and heal the sick, they didn't say, Judas, you stay back. The Bible said he had a part in this ministry. The gifts don't mean you have the Holy Spirit. It means you got gifted. But the greatest evidence, according to the scripture, is love. Like love for God. There'll be a commitment to obedience over sins and self-will. I'm more committed to obedience over sin than sin. And I'm more committed to to God than I am to my self-will. That is the definition of love in the scripture, right? There'll be a love for God's word, which is a commitment to God's plan. That doesn't mean you love to read. All right? Some people are like, oof. <laughs> it means you're, you know I have to find out what God's plan is because I'm committed to God's plan. Amen. There'll be a love for, man, there'll be a love for the people God loves, which is a commitment to love all people the way that God does. Right? And notice, y'all, you don't do any of this alone or in your own strength. The Holy Spirit, he is your life manager, right? Come on now, I, I used to work, when I used to work places, I remember Little Caesars back in the day. And I remember I never had a job before and I'm, I'm in there and I'm nervous about what to do, but my comfort came from the manager, the manager would come along. I knew I had somebody I could go to when I didn't know what to do. I could go to the manager and he would give me instruction. That my comfort. Now, then I began to know what to do because I'm now doing exact. If, the, if I'm doing it the manager's way, I know I'm doing it the right way. You have a life manager. He is the Holy Spirit. You don't have to figure anything out on your own, right? He gave the assignment. Look, the assignment is there and he gives you a counselor with all the answers, right? Come on, let me borrow your book from Life is a series of tests. And the good news is it's open book. Can you imagine getting an exam? And then someone says, it's open book. They give you the book and then say, and I'm going to give you a counselor who's going to show you exactly in the book where the answers are. Now, you fail that test, you're called stupid. <laughs> But I was not very a studious person. But when the teacher said open book test, this brother smiled. 
because I knew that's one test I'm going to pass. And I don't need to look off your paper today. It's an open book test. <laughs> Praise the Lord. So understand it's worship team. You can make your way up. The Holy Spirit is your life manager. You don't have to do this alone. He's your comforter. He's your counselor, right? Well, our part, we got to humbly recognize I need help beyond myself. I need help beyond myself. I don't got this. No matter what you think you got, you don't got it. The Lord spoke to me about a word this week on Wednesday, the word's presumption. Sometimes we just presume we know how things are going to go. And we just presume this is how it's going to go down. I got this one. I don't need to ask for any help on this one because I got this one. No, you're just about to blow it. We got to commit to yielding, meaning letting God be in charge. Notice that letting God be in charge, he's a gentleman. He is a gentleman. Let him be in charge, right? Remind, remember, and, and do this, y'all. This is a challenging part for patience. Wait for the helper. Wait for the helper. Remember, the Holy Spirit is there for those who want to get this thing right. Wait for the helper. What do I do? What do I do? Be still and know that he's God. Follow his instructions. Following his instructions means I'm committed. His instructions. Now, when I say this, I want you all to get this because sometimes we get crazy. I feel the Holy Spirit and I feel the Spirit wants me to do this and he wants me to say that. When I say follow his instructions, you follow his instructions according to his word. Not according to what you think he's saying. Because sometimes it's not him. Remember, the devil can mask himself as an angel of light. He masks himself in your thought life. It feels right. It seems like God would want me to do that. But let me make sure I can confirm that by the word. Test every spirit to make sure that's God. That's the safest place to know that it's the Holy Spirit leading you. He will always line up with the word. Are we getting this, y'all? So we, as we start this journey, y'all, we need the Holy Spirit, right? Come on. He, he, man, he gives us the power to do the miraculous. Sometimes... Have you settled for Christianity without miracles? You're just going to go with the flow and suck it up. You just, yeah, you know, I'm good. As long as I got the money in the bank account, I don't need to pray. As long as I think I got this figured out. Man, no. This walk is supernatural, right? Come on, as you pray, do you trust that the Holy Spirit is interceding? on your behalf. Come on, we're we're supposed to pray to the Father in the name of the Son through the power of the Holy Spirit. And He's here to lead you and guide you into all truth. I'm going to get the last burps because this is the first step. How do we, how do I, God, I want this. How do I get the baptism of the Holy Spirit? We, We already talked about Matthew, John 14, but look what Luke says in Luke 11. He says, now suppose one of you fathers is asked by his son for a fish. He would not give him a snake instead of a fish, will he? Or if he asked for an egg, he would not give him a scorpion, will he? If you then being evil know how to give good to your children, how much more will your heavenly father give the Holy Spirit to those who ask him? Have you asked? Or how you like those folks in Acts? We had not even realized we needed them. 
Come on. I can't tell you because you asked. I can't tell you when you come to the altar. I can't tell you if you lay hands on you that something's going to happen, but I can't tell you something's not going to happen. The scripture says, as the wind blows, so goes the Holy Spirit. But I can guarantee you this, when he comes and makes his home with you, there'll be some permanent changes in your life. Permanent changes in your life. Come on, I remember in my own life, when I first started doing this walk, I was doing it by my willpower. I, was, I didn't even know I was following John 14. The scripture said, do it. I said, do it. And I remember it was so hard. I had swear jars so I wouldn't curse. I had all these things in place. And I was, but I was determined I was going to do this. And I remember it was January when I started walking. I was, I was determined. I'm going to do what God says. I'm going to do what God says. But I know in April, something happened. Right after Shannon and I got married, we went to church that weekend and something happened in that place where my help came. I can't explain it. I can just tell you it went from, I'm gonna try to do this to, I'm gonna do this. I wasn't trying anymore, I had help. All those weaknesses were just washed away and I was just, man, my mind was made up. There was no going back. It was like what happened in, like what happened with Moses when he says these enemies that pursue will pursue you no more. It's like when he baptized me, he crushed all those sins and all those things that were tormenting me and my life just went, there's no other way. I can't explain it to you, but I know what I was doing before. I was following the formula. If you follow the formula, he'll come to you. You follow, I, I can't tell you how fast, but I'll tell you he's coming. And when he comes, and makes his home with you, there'll be a radical shift in your life. And you will go from believing to knowing. And there'll be no going back. So tonight, if you recognize that you've been doing some, some area of your walk by your willpower, instead of even asking for his power, or maybe you got a revelation like, man, I didn't even realize how much I needed him. I've, I've been counting. I love the Father. I love the Son. I've not even been putting any of my chips, putting my eggs in the Holy Spirit basket. Be transformed by the renewing of your mind tonight. If you're willing to lay down a mindset, decision, I'm no longer going to do this without the Holy Spirit, then lay that down. You can make an altar where you are. You can make an altar up here. And then there's communion available. Just saying, God, I need all of you not just the pieces I'm comfortable with. I need all of you. Lay down your mindset and pick up the mind of Christ and refuse to live a life apart from being spirit-led. The altar's available. Thank you for tuning in to our sermon for this week. We hope you are blessed and encouraged by it. Please feel free to subscribe and share our podcast with family and friends. To learn more about New Creation Ministries, please check out our website at www.ncm.life.